Hey everybody, welcome to the Jacob's World Podcast. This week we're going to be talking about a really serious, kind of difficult issue. It's for those people who feel sandwiched. That is to say they've got older parents who they're caring for, while at the same time they're caring for kids. We're going to look at what the scriptures have to say. We've got some real practical tools for you. Can't wait to share this weekend. Well, good morning everybody. Family, it's complicated, right? Well, we are in a series right now where we're looking at some of the more complicated issues related to family. And this week, we got kind of one that is a little uh, hard-hitting, a little uh, amazing that we don't talk about it more. But uh, before we do that, there's a couple things I just want to talk about. First of all, we just need to praise God uh, for the Klaus family and Jamie Klaus being found, right? Did, Did anybody else just spend that day just crying, looking at their news feed on Facebook and just amazing? We got some other good news. Uh, We had our Christmas offering, and uh, every year we have a Christmas offering, and that goes for things outside of the the direct ministry of Jacob's Well, and we raised over $50,000 this Christmas, yeah. And so we are going to be able to give $15,000 to Hope Gospel Mission and another $15,000 to uh, Teen Challenge for scholarships from people from western Wisconsin, uh, another 10000 for Forgotten Initiative, and then we've got about $10,000 that we'll use this summer to help send students on trips and camps organizations and things like that. And so it's just an incredible Christmas offering, and I wanted to give you an update on that as well. So let's dive in here a little bit, and I want you to imagine um, a, a, a woman waking up early in the morning, still dark outside, and as she wakes up, she starts working on her day. And so she gets out of bed, the first thing she does is she goes and lets out the dog, and, and, and then she goes to the kitchen, and she starts thinking about, okay, we got to do lunches. She looks down at her phone, and she sees she has a text from her mom, who's been up since like three o'clock, are you up yet, kind of a text, you know. At the same time, she starts thinking about her work day. She's got to go to work, but she's got to go to work early, because she's going to have to leave early, because she's got to take her father to the doctor. And as she's thinking about talking to her father, she said, today's the day I'm going to have a conversation in the car that, you know, he's living alone and I'm not sure that's working and we haven't been able to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. And she sure wishes her brother, who lived in another part of the country, would get engaged in the conversation, but he doesn't seem interested. He's busy. He doesn't come by. And so there's some frustrations there. Now, she starts rallying herself because she knows she's got to start doing that incredible Herculean task that moms have to do every day of waking their kids up for school. And she knows it'll take two or three attempts to get them out of bed. And as she thinks about it, she just kind of takes a deep sigh because she realizes tonight there's a game and there's a parent-teacher conference. And all of a sudden, she looks at the clock and it's not even 6 o'clock yet. So, so this is kind of how a lot of people live. We, we live in what sociologists are calling the sandwich generation. That is to say, people who have responsibilities and, and roles of caring for parents who are elderly, and they've come before them, while at the same time, they've got kids at home who are more engaged uh, and, and very engaged in raising them, and so they feel like a sandwich. And so sociologists actually call this a sandwich generation. Now, the thing that's interesting about this is that this phenomenon has been going on for a long time, but there's a couple things that are kind of, you know, uh, really kind of making it grow. One is people are living longer than they ever had before, and one of the reasons we uh, live longer is we have access to health care, but with access to health care comes a lot of health problems and a lot of health complications, and so uh, you spend a lot of time doing the doctor thing the older you get. The, the other thing is that 
because of the economy, actually for the last two decades, people who have been saving and preparing for retirement have not got as much as they thought they would get. Retirement accounts, pension accounts, all those kinds of things are making those who are elderly feeling insecure and feeling afraid, wondering if I will live past the resources. It's actually a great source of fear for many others. At the same time, we have a culture that really doesn't value the elderly. We have a culture that tends to value the time in life where we're 20, 21, which is my opinion, and C.S. Lewis says this, is, is really one of the silliest times we're ever alive. I mean, we, we have less of a sense of who we are and what really matters then than ever before, and yet we're all trying to strive to get to that age. Once we get to that age, we're trying to hold on to that age, and, and because of that, we are missing some of the beauty of the other generations and the other decades of our life. Now, in addition to this, people are having less kids than ever before. Because you have less kids, Traditionally, kids help take care of parents. When parents got older, there's less people to take care of. In addition to this, kids are moving all over the place. We're more mobile than ever before. So it's not uncommon to have kids in different parts of the country from parents, and some kids local and some 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 not. And many times the, the kids who are local feel a, a special burden or have a special responsibility, and, and it can be financial, it can be time, and there can be resentment and lack of communication. It can be very, very difficult. And on top of all that, very often when we go to help our parents, we maybe don't do it well or our parents aren't ready for it and our parents actually become difficult to help. They don't want to have the conversations. They don't feel like they need help. I've lived in this house for 60 years and this and that and all the kinds of things to the point that we can feel that any help I get is rejected or the other extreme of no matter what I do, it doesn't seem to be enough. And so the, the, this whole kind of maelstrom of, of emotion and frustration. I found a quote this week uh, that kind of summed it up uh, for how some people feel. It, it says this. Let's go ahead and throw that up there. It says, my parents' life decisions have greatly impacted me, and I am very resentful. I love my mother, but I'm at my wit's end. I can't even begin to tell you how many times my husband and I have suggested options to improve my parents' quality of life, and they have turned us down. I feel like we could open a senior care business because of all the programs, aid, and other things we have looked into for them. And so what we have is we have a family dynamic where one generation is struggling to figure out how to come alongside another generation, while at the same time, we have another phenomenon with kids today. There's a phenomenon that psychologists and sociologists call delayed adolescence. That is to say that kids in our generation, the current generation, are taking more time to take on the traditional roles, what we used to think of what it meant to be an adult. So they wait longer to buy a house, to get a career, to finish school, to get in relationships, to get married, to have children. Many are choosing not to have kids at all. And and, and because of, the again, the economy, we don't realize that many of the things that we just used to do are financially out of reach of 20-somethings and even some young 30-somethings. And so more and more, they look to parents, and so there's this sense of sandwiching going on and, and a sense of the generations not knowing how to connect with each other in the same way. Well, well, one of the things that I want us to do today is actually take a look at what the scriptures say about what it means for us to care for that generation before us. Last week we talked about the three boxes and we said there was a generation before us that put things in our boxes and now we're putting things in the boxes of the generations behind us. Well, today I want us to recognize that God has so ordered things that there is a role for us as as kids to begin to start 
taking a role to help caring for our elderly parents. And, and that's a beautiful thing that God has given us uh, and a beautiful calling that God has put on our life. This is a phenomenon that my wife Whitney and I uh, deal with in a wonderful way. This is a picture, some pictures of my dad, uh, different stages of his life. I remember distinctly um, uh, a ride down up North Highway 53 heading towards St. Mary's Hospital in Duluth. This was, uh, you know, golly, 15 plus, maybe 20 years ago now. And some things have happened medically with my dad. I remember driving up to the hospital, and I rolled in, and I was one of the first uh, siblings there. And I rolled in, the doctor's there, and the doctor's talking about some phenomenon. My dad had hardening in the arteries in the leg, and so they were actually going to have to remove his leg. And what was that going to mean? And I remember feeling kind of awkward because the doctor kept talking to me. I wasn't talking to dad. I was just kind of used to being the fly on the wall. And, and all of a sudden, there became this reality that now I was part of this dynamic. And at one point, it frustrated my dad. And my dad actually said to the doctor, hey, don't talk to him. Talk to me. And my dad wasn't quite ready for that. But it was at that process where, where dad became more homebound. And dad went through a process, honestly, of about 10 years of passing away. It was just kind of a long process. But there was a changing. There was a shifting of our relationship where more and more he began to trust me and show me his finances and talk to me about retirement and talk to me about wills and work with this. And I have five brothers and sisters and getting them all involved. And some really wanted to be very involved and in charge and others didn't want to have anything to do with it. And all of that dynamic. And so I understand this kind of firsthand. Now, in addition, uh, Whitney, uh, my mom, continues to live wonderfully independently uh, up in Lake Nebegaman. She moved from her lake home to uh, a, a, a kind of a senior residence center. And now she's living in this wonderful community home that just she just really loves. And, and it's been an interesting process walking through that. My wife, Whitney, has two parents. Her father, um, Clyde, recently, uh, in the last couple of years, was from Texas, moved to Kansas City. Now, for a while, he was living with us, and that was a wonderful thing, but now he has his own apartment. But there, honestly, is almost daily interaction in terms of, of just uh, the role we have in him part of our life, the blessing that is. In addition to that, her mom, after the, they had a divorce, uh, lives in uh, North Texas. And so we understand the distance thing of trying to be there, now and you can't be there. It's complicated, right? I mean, we live in a time where figuring out what our responsibility is is a really difficult thing. Let's take a look at what the scriptures say about this. And I think you might be surprised actually how hard-hitting the scriptures actually are on this topic. So, so let's take a look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. You may recognize this is one of the Ten Commandments, one of the big ten rules God says. If you want to be a healthy, whole person, you need to pay attention to the principles in this. He says, honor, honor, and honor means to restore dignity to give proper respect, to help understand their role, their position, and give it the due attention that it deserves. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God is giving to you. And so there's this understanding that any culture, any society, any family that wants to be healthy, that wants to be whole, has to take this thing of honoring your parents very seriously. Now, this is so ingrained in our thinking because this command was given like 5,000 years ago that we don't realize that many cultures didn't look at it like this. During the time this was written, many cultures had the perspective that after you reached a certain age, after you got old, your job was just to go away. They actually had ceremonies where, where there's many cultures where, where the elderly would go off into the wilderness or the elderly would actually you know, end their life in some kind of way and, and that was considered a noble thing to do. God shows up 
up and shows, turns that on his head. He comes back and he says, no, 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 you don't understand. One of the greatest assets you have, one of the greatest blessings you have, one of the things that will make you live long in the land is when you understand the gift that the elderly actually are. Let's take a look at Proverbs 25, 23, verse 22. It's just a word of warning. Of course, the Proverbs are those parts of the scripture that are, are, are wisdom. This is the wisdom of God. It says, listen to your father who gave you life. And do not, look at this, despise your mother when she is old. Understanding what your mom's going through and understand what your parents are going through, it can become easy to become resentful, to become feeling just all kinds of things. And the question is, is whether or not I've let my heart become filled with contempt or despising mom. Now, I understand, please I understand, in the middle of a busy day, you look at your phone, it's ringing, it's mom. Oh, wow. You know, I, I've been there. I'm just being honest. I got to be careful what I say because my mom listens to these. All right. Just so, mom, I love you. Call anytime. I'm here. I'll call you Monday. <laughs> early. I'll call earlier, right? No, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's a thing. But this thing that it can become crazy in the busyness of life to find ourselves despising the one we're supposed to honor. There's another proverb, Proverbs 16, verse 31, that that tells us about the dignity of age. It says, gray hair is the crown of glory. It is gained from a life rightly lived. And so any culture, any family, any person who wants to just understand wisdom understands that age is something to be valued, something to be learned from, something to be cherished, something to be protected. And and just to remember that that one day you're going to be old. One day you're going you're gonna to experience that thing of, of aging more and more. And so a culture that values that is, is really, really a powerful culture. Now, now this gets doubled down in the New Testament, right? Let's take a look at 1 Timothy in chapter 3. He says this. Now, in this passage, by the way, he's talking about the church and how the church would take care of widows because widows were some of the most vulnerable people in the, in the Roman world in the time when this was written. This was written a couple thousand years after those first verses. But, but, but this... This is a time where, where the elderly really are not valued that, that much. But he says this. He says, church, you should take care of the widows. He says this. But if a widow has children, look at this, or grandchildren. Some of you have been sitting here thinking, oh, he's not talking about me. He's talking about my parents. But he's talking not just about one who are children, but grandchildren. Listen, grandchildren. One of the biggest mistakes you can make is not spending time with your grandparents. There will be a time you will long for it, you will ache for it, you wish you would have asked questions, you wish you would have looked at those pictures, you wish you would have written names on the back of those pictures so you could remember. And so, so, so he says, if there's widows or grandchildren, let them look first, you see the word first, first, first. So, so many of us get real excited about caring about causes that are far away from us. I care about the environment, and I care about the environment. You should care about the environment, but it's distant from me. I care about orphans in, in faraway country, and we should, another sermon, another day. But hey, first, first, let them learn to show godliness, that is to say God's perspective, God's closeness to their own household and to make some return to the ones who put things in their box, remember, to make some return to their parents for this is, look at this, pleasing in the sight of God. And so God's perspective on this is that what it means to be godly is to actually understand how to respond in these times. It goes further than that. Let's take a look at a couple verses down. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, look at this, and especially remembers his members of his own household, he has, look at this, denied the faith. 
That is to say, you have turned your back on the essence of what it means to be a Christian, on the essence of what it means to be godly, on the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You've denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. He says, even people in the world know how to take care of their own. We as Christians so much more. And when we, we can make our faith all about big causes and big things and big stands and things we believe, but at the end of the day, if it doesn't start at home, if it doesn't start with our family, we're missing out on the heart of God. So the question I want to ask, the big question I want us to ask, and all of us to ask, because there's a role for every person in this room, whether you are that generation that's getting older, or you're the generation just below them that recognizes you're going to have a role in caring in relationship, or whether you're a generation below that, you all have a role to speak into a culture that is forgotten to honor and learn from and be blessed by the elderly. The question I want you to ask is this, how do I honor? How do I honor those ones who have gone before me? And and we've got some real practical things that can help us maybe get back on track. Now, the very first thing I want to say is this, is that when when you're trying to honor, trying to help your parent, respect your parent as an adult. Now, now it becomes very easy, particularly as they get older, and particularly as, as they're less familiar with technologies and internet. I used to try to text my mom, just not even possible you know she just says me called I just called you why do you do that I don't you know this is the kind of thing okay um you respect your parent because here's the deal they're the adults they get to drive the bus and as much and as long as possible as they get to make the decisions they get to make the decisions now you can talk you can shepherd you can ask you can suggest but they get to be the adults one of the reasons we don't realize people my age We shut down our parents when we roll in with some big grand plan with brochures and timelines. And we say, hey, this is going to be so much better for you. You're going to have to leave your home and your your situation. And and we're going to tell you what to do. And look how good it is. And we're going to help pay for it and all this kind of stuff. As though they want us to, they, they feel good about someone else having to pay their way. The Roman generation, perhaps, that didn't think like that. And so we go in with telling behavior. Listen now, telling behavior, which is almost never a good way to go, whether you're a parent or a boss or whatever, instead of asking behavior, like, like what's important to you? How are you doing? What would you like to see happen? Are you ready for this? You know, are you aware of this? And many times they'll push it off and you have to push into the conversation, but don't go with a big grand plan and then when they don't accept it, become filled with resentment. The second thing I want to encourage us to do is understand how your parent feels. Take a step back and ask yourself, how would I feel if I were losing my health? How would I feel if I were afraid of not having enough finance so I was going to have to rely on somebody else? How would I feel if I felt like I was losing control? If I was going to have to move out of the home that I've lived in for years, that I raised my kids in, how do, how do I feel if maybe the relationship has been uncertain or unhealthy and now I've got to rely on this person who I recognize maybe I haven't been good with? And when you take the time to, to understand and ask your parents how they feel and what's important to them, it, it can change the way that you import them, you, you approach them. Understand that to honor is to restore their dignity, is to give them voice, to never take their voice, but instead to, to, to help them understand and to help them guide the conversation. The third thing is, and, and this is huge, have conversations and make plans as early as possible. Now this is a, a word for, for perhaps some of us who are getting older, 
one of the greatest blessings you can have is to have your affairs in order and to have had conversations long before you need to feel like you need to have the conversation. Because I know, listen, none of us are as old as we think we are, right? I turned 50 this year. And at 50, these horrible people from AARP sent me mail. What are they thinking? I'm too young to be this old. But when you start getting a certain age, and actually, even if you're very, think you're very young and you have children, you need to get your affairs in order. Because if you don't have your affairs in order and something happens to you, who's going to care for your kids? Because if you don't make decisions, the state will make decisions. You say, oh, this cousin, this aunt, no, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. And so there, there are some conversations you want to have. And so if you're a little older, you need to ask questions. Do I have a will? And is my will in order? One of the most tragic things in the world. I've done, I've done it has to be hundreds of funerals at this point. But, 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 but just one of the most tragic things in the world is family fighting about scraps. When, when, when they should be remembering a life. And, and so to have that in order, you need to have your health directives in order. Uh, do not resuscitate things. You need to have what are your wishes, what are, your, what are your, your desires. And so to go through that online or with an attorney or with someone and then talk it through, who's going to be the power of attorney? Who's going to have the health authority if you can't make those decisions for yourself? Because again, so many times I've been in a hospital room where families kind of looking at each other and nobody wants to do it, and everybody wants to do it, and it's kind of a difficult thing to have those conversations ahead of time. Questions of powers of eternity, attorney. In addition to that, a file with all your passwords and all your insurance accounts and all the different things that they need to know about so that you have shown whichever person you're going to put in charge, whether it's brother, sister, uh, child, or whatever, you say, this is the file. You go here, and this will show you how to do the things that you need to do. If you are the person who pays the bills in your family, to have that for a spouse is a remarkable gift. When my father became very sick, I remember we just had to go and we had to try to figure out his, his world because he was too sick to engage and, 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 and it, was a, it was a lot of work. Me and my sister-in-law spent days putting that together and to have that in, in a better place would be a better, better thing. You, you may need to engage a financial planner because very often the parents won't want to do that with you, but if you can find a financial planner who will sit down with them and put some of that in order, it, it's very important. Again, always asking the question, what's important to you and then when you have a plan have a conversation bring everybody in let everybody know the plan especially you know maybe that one kid who really is flighty and 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 is going to roll in at the last minute want to change everything okay make sure they know what the plan is I actually was talking with one of my daughters the other day about the health care kind of thing and I said well you know you know my wishes and got it written down another one of my son I went through the will with and he's power of attorney and he has executive of the will and how we're going to do all that and, and my wife and I chose some of that and, and we went through some of that and I was a little nervous about my daughter because I said you know we don't want to have prolonged suffering she said oh yeah we'll just pull the plug <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to suffer you're going to be in heaven it's all going to be good <laughs> So you're going to take the weekend off to grieve or shift that relationship up. But I want to gift that to my, 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 my kids. And, and if you're in a situation where you have a, a grandma or, or an older aunt or uncle even, and you recognize maybe they haven't done some of that, 
There is so much wisdom. There is so much protection of family unity and family dynamic. Simply to have those ducks in a row, uh, I, I just, I just, that's just a great point of wisdom. And you honor your family, you honor your parents by doing that. Uh, you need to also, as your parents are getting older, ask some questions about safety. Um, are they getting to the doctor? Are they in a safe place? Are they able to move around? One of the biggest phenomenons is that as you get older, you take more and more pills. Are your, your parents taking the pills. I, I've talked to many people where they'll say, you know, uh, uh, oh, I, I went to the doctor and they gave me these pills and I started feeling better and they were so expensive that I only used some of them. Ma, what are you doing? Okay, you, you, these kinds of things like that. You need to engage in those conversations. You need to understand that there's a, there's a, there, that, that there's a danger. We need to be aware of isolation and loneliness. That, that if, if uh, your parents are in a place where people are not coming by and they're not experiencing physical touch and they're not being asked about things and they're not being shared uh, in life, uh, we need to simply be aware of the dynamic. It's one of the biggest uh, health issues with the elderly is just loneliness. The, the next thing I would encourage you to do in the strongest sense is, is to use community resources in the experience of others. There are a remarkable amount of resources, agencies, everything from social security to financial planning to prepping wills, many of which, most of which actually are free that, that you could use and, 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 and make these plans and understand the kinds of plans that you need to make. And, and when, when you use them, you're being wise. Many times people say, well, I'm just going to take care of it. And, and, and very often there's a dynamic in a family where you have one person who, who kind of becomes the primary caregiver, partly because they want to do that, partly because they're kind of control freaks, partly because um, the other siblings are willing to let them do that. And then they, they give and they give and they give and they get burnt out and they, they resent the other family, right? And yet they won't let the other family help and they won't take advantage of the other community services because they kind of like being the martyr a little bit. Okay, I know that you're not your family. I'm talking about other people's family. But, 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 but when that happens, someone needs to take a step back and say, you know what, you're going to need to take care of yourself. One of the most important things when you're taking care of someone else is take care of yourself. And just to push, and I'm fine, I'll be okay, it's, it, all that's not good. And there are resources, there are community resources out there that, 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 that you need to learn about. I'm going to say more about that in just a minute. We've got some great resources for you even this weekend. Now, now the next thing I want to just say to you is related to this, and it has to do again with that dynamic of family resenting each other because, you know, um, they're, they're far away. And one of the things that happens, and I've seen this happen so many times, is that you'll have the person who's doing a lot of the care, and they'll hint. They'll, you know, they'll call the other sibling and they'll say, what are you doing today? Oh, I'm taking dad to the hospital. You know, he goes to the hospital every Tuesday. Goes to the hospital every Tuesday. Quiet, quiet, quiet. Yeah, it's a lot. I got to take time off work. It's really kind of a hassle. But I'm fine. It's good. It's good. Quiet on the phone. And then they don't call or they don't talk to each other. So, so this is one of the, the examples I would give uh, if, if you've got a family dynamic where there's some folks who maybe you want to encourage to get more involved. Ask for help from family clearly and directly. Okay, and so instead of hinting about mom would love to see you, you say, can you come and visit mom this summer? I know you live across country, but what would it look like for you to come and visit mom this summer? Because, you know, she's not going to be here long, and, and not with guilt, not with anger, but just what would it look like? Ask directly. And, and if you did that and you came and saw her for uh, a week this summer, my family could actually go on a trip, and that would really mean a lot to us. Would you be willing to do that? Uh, can you take dad to his appointment on Tuesday? 
On Tuesday, Dad's got an appointment, and, and it would really help out if you could, you could take him. Uh, can you get together with Grandma to discuss care? Can we, can we all get together Sunday after church or, or, or next Thursday after work or something like that? And, and we all want to just sit down, and we just want to make sure we're all on the same page and, and look at some stuff. Can we do that? Um, um, can you take your grandfather to breakfast next week? You know, I know you got a day off. What would it look like if you just zip by, pick him up, and just, he loves to go to breakfast, take him, take him to breakfast. And, and what would it look like for you to once a week just call Grandma? And, and when you make a direct ask, um, it, it, you tend to get better responses. And, and what you do is you open up the door for people and say, you know, I can't do everything, but I can do that. And I want to be involved, and, and, and it becomes a good thing. So ask for help clearly and directly. That's just, that's just a good principle, again, beyond this message, but certainly in this message. The next thing I would say is ignore expectation of those who are outside. There will be people who will say naive things like, um, oh, we're never going to put you in a home, or we're never going to do this, or we're never going to do this. And they're usually people who haven't faced the complications of all the safety issues and all the different things like that. Listen, just turn those off, especially if they're extended family members who have a really strong opinion about what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing, push that off and as a person get the good resources, make a good plan and, 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 and execute that plan. And the last thing I just want to encourage you with in, in this, in terms of how to honor your parents, is expect something beautiful, okay? Expect something beautiful. So, so this, this, this can just be some examples. If you start saying, you know, I'm going to get engaged with my elderly parents, one of the best things in the world you can do is reminisce. Uh, this was just one of the biggest gifts I ever got from my father, kind of initiated it, is I asked about his childhood, I asked about his time in the military, I asked about when he met mom, I asked about all the different things. And the other thing we would do, and I do this with my mom now, is whenever we find an old picture, and I say, who's that? We flip it over, and we write the names on it, and we write some memories on it, because someday that's going to be gold. One of the saddest things in the world is when you get big boxes of pictures, and you go, who's that? I don't know. Who's that? I don't know. And nobody knows. Because we haven't taken the time just to relive and to remember and to honor that which has gone before in the most beautiful way. And so, so expect beautiful things. Expect reconciliation. Some of you are saying, you don't understand, my dad was a jerk. The Bible doesn't say honor your parents if they were awesome. <laughs> it doesn't say honor your parents if they honored you. It says you honor your parents because you're honoring God. And one of the most beautiful things in the world is a person whose parent was maybe addicted or alcoholic or abusive or not there or abandoning. And then God in his mercy brings, you hear what I say, God in his mercy brings that parent back in and you're given the privilege of caring for them in some way because they've so messed up the rest of their relationships that no one's there for them. And, and, and you have the opportunity to say, ha, serves you right now, you're going to die alone or some horrible thing that the wicked part of your heart would say. But the better part of your heart comes forward and says, God loved me when I wasn't lovable. And this is what mercy looks like. And this is what compassion looks like. And I don't do this because, you know, you deserve it. I do it to honor you and to honor the God who gave. And so in that moment, you can understand, you know, tenderness and kindness. Because very old, uh, often when people get closer to the end of their life, there's a tenderness, there's a holiness that comes to that. And you can expect some beautiful things. You make peace. You can mind the, the, these wonderful people for wisdom. One of the things I started doing, I started talking about my kids. I do this with my mom. I say, well, my kid's doing this and do this. I said, you did that. She'll say that. You did that. I said, I did not. I said, yes, you did. You remember? I said, I did do that. They're just like me. Oh, my gosh. This is horrible. <laughs> I'm so ready to blame them. 
And there's points of wisdom and points of insight, points of what it was looked like for my mom to grow up on the backside of the depression and great poverty and, and the changes they saw and living through wars and, and just the most amazing things. And so if you would take the time, you would see beautiful things and the most wonderful, wonderful things. Um, um, understand that, that by caring for your parents, you're teaching your children, right? Right? When you go by with your young kids to visit grandma, you're setting them up to someday come by and see you with their, their children, right? And, and so we teach um, what compassion looks like. Now, with all this is also the opportunity for some of you. Some of you say, you don't understand, my parents are gone or, or far away or something like that, or, or I'm just young. There's an opportunity for you to do um, what we talk about uh, with young kids. We adopt young kids, we do foster care. There's an opportunity for you to adopt um, someone who's older. And we've got a little video about uh, some young women who uh, just took some steps just to do that. Let's take a look. Well, my sophomore year, I went on a mission trip to Canada with um, the youth choir. And one day we just decided to go to to a senior living home. Myself and two other friends, we had this idea that we would um, kind of bring that back home as kind of a continuation of the mission trip because we knew we didn't want that idea to just die. We really wanted to get something going and make a change in some senior adults' lives here. We would go once a month. We would sing for the adults there. And then after we sang some songs, we would visit with them. If there was like a special holiday or um, a special occasion, we would make crafts for them and then bring them, you know, like bookmarks, just kind of little gifts that, you know, that they might not get all the time because they don't always have visitors that come to see them. Oh, it's wonderful to have the young people come in, remember our past and the things we did, and it brings up a lot of good memories. We're very happy to have them come and visit us. I definitely noticed that some people don't don't have a lot of connection with visitors. A lot of sometimes their families just don't ever come, and so it was really heartbreaking for me to see that these people didn't have anyone else to come visit, and they could. They could go an entire day without even, you know, a single physical touch by someone that actually cared about them. So to be able to visit with them and, you know, show that show them that they're loved was a really good experience for me. When Katie does come, she's got a big grin on her face and she rushes over to me and hugs me and just knowing that they want to spend time with the older people means a lot too. Basically the whole idea of this was just to really connect with the senior adults and let them know that there are still people that care about them and do have time to, you know, really sit down and talk with them and that they're not forgotten. It's just been incredible to, to really be able to make a difference in an area that I thought I could never, you know, be a part of or never would have thought to be a part of. And so there's all kinds of uh, steps we can take, right, this weekend. Uh, steps to to um, become a community of faith here at Jacob's Well, and and a people who see the the gift that the elderly are. For, so maybe for you, 
um, you're in a situation where you're that overwhelmed person and you need some resources. Well, one of the things we put together, you can pick this up at the connection uh, area, is an elderly care resource list. And it is just page after page of everything from financial issues to social security issues to emotional issues to um, helping transition from family homes, all kinds of resources that are available. These are also available. We just made a new page on our Jacobswell uh, website, jacobswellchurch.church, and under uh, under care, you're, under family, you're going to find that there's an elderly care page, again, with all of these resources, and, and you would find that there's actually help, there's respite, there's all kinds of things that you could do that would help you uh, enormously. Maybe you're that person who you recognize, you know what, I'm disengaged. I'm letting a sibling do the heavy lifting, and it's time for me to just call that sibling and say, okay, what can I do to help? What can I do to get involved? Uh, maybe get more engaged in a way that you haven't. Maybe you're a young person, you're kind of giving yourself permission to say, I don't really go by and see my grandpa, my grandma, I don't call. It's time to do that. You will be blessed when you do that in supporting uh, particularly the primary caregiver in that way. Um, um, if you're getting older and you're recognizing, you know what, it's been a long time since I've done any of the stuff with wills or health directives and and if I were to go I don't think they'd know how anybody would know how to do the things I do and you're just going to take an evening or two and you're going to just kind of put it all down and then you're going to figure out okay who are the people we want in charge when I can't be in charge and I'm going to I'm going to talk to them and I'm going to show them and I'm going to make some plans that is a huge 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 gift to your family that's something that you can do again there's resources for how to do that in this document right here maybe for you God would put on your your heart to say, you know what, there's a person in my neighborhood, an older person, I'm going to go by and see them. Or I'm going to stop by, you know, uh, one of the, the senior centers. You say, does Jacobs Well have a program for that? No, we don't have a program for that. Just go and find the activity director and say, is there someone here who doesn't have anybody who I could just sit down with and, and talk to? And you would, you, they will do backflips, which would be worth seeing. And, and then... And then, you know, you will have an opportunity uh, to just be a blessing in someone's life who is alone. Uh, this is evangelism and missions. And, and, you know, she talked about having gone on a mission trip and then coming back here and recognizing the opportunity that's right before. And so there's all kinds of steps that you can take um, to prepare as a family uh, for these kinds of things, that we would do this well together, that we'd communicate well in the most wonderful and the most beautiful way. Let's have a word of prayer together. Father God, I thank you that in the midst of this busy, crazy world where we're pulled in so many directions, um, you slow us down and you remind us the things that, of the things that are really important. You remind us of the gifts that are right in front of us. In this world where it can be hard to find meaning, you show us the meaning and caring and loving for um, the generations before us and after us. Father God, I would just pray that you'd help each one of us identify a step on how we can be more engaged in honoring the generation that's come before and that we would see the incredible gift of wisdom and community and friendship and life that these folks are. I pray that we would all, Father, take steps to this and um, we would find, Father, that these things that we might think of as sacrifices are not sacrifices at all. They're blessings and um, they're wonderful, wonderful blessings. points of meaning in this world. And so help us take those steps. In Jesus' name, amen.